right? Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster So we're recording this shortly after we finished the, the first episode this week. It's still Tuesday as we record this. You're probably listening to it significantly later in the week. But in the, the, the period in between, I ran upstairs to check on my kids because they uh, my, my four-year-old son was still awake. Uh, the seven-year-old was, was asleep. But they the last two nights, they've decided to sleep in the same bed. Like we have the twin over full bunk beds. My daughter sleeps on the top bunk. My son sleeps in the bottom. But the last two nights, they've decided they want to sleep in the same bed. They actually put a pillow down the middle, like an old sitcom where they paint the room in half. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not mad about it. They're just like, this is how we're going to split no, the bed. Yeah, this it's is great. good to have your own space. Um, yes. They're recognizing that at a young age. And so, so I went in there. They're both asleep. My daughter is asleep, curled up like in the fetal position, very normal sleeping position head on the pillow and everything. And my son on the other side of the bed has his head on the bed, one arm and one leg on his pillow uh, and one leg, like in his sister's face. (laughs) He just fell asleep. He's a sprawler certainly, but like the angle at which he's sprawled, like he's turned a good 110 degrees (laughs) from where he should be. (laughs) And it's just, it's amazing. I don't know how he, he adopted this chaos level of, of sleep position, but I love it. Did, did he end up defying the pillow barrier as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did he, did did. he just, did his leg or leg or arm just knock it aside? Is that his, his, no, no. His foot is just on top of it. Okay. He didn't move okay. it. He just ignored it. Like, see, I, see, I don't know if it's better to destroy it or just pretend it doesn't exist in the first place. Right. But he's definitely in the latter camp. Mm. Hey, hey, welcome in. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Chaos Sleep podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley has left us for the evening. Uh, And we are here tonight to talk about DC United and the Philadelphia Union, because um, after a normal week with actual recovery time and training, DC United are back on Buzzard Point this weekend to... uh, finish off their three game regular season series with the Philadelphia union. So uh, if you were feeling pretty good about the lack of injuries from that Atlanta game, just uh, wait until Saturday, because that's a theme 
in these games. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you can watch this game in most of the usual places. If you can't get down to Audi field, um, watch it on Teleexitos and Espanol, watch it on dcunited.com. If you're in the immediate Metro area, or I think anywhere in the DMV, like broader DMV, like all of Virginia, all of Maryland, I think is inside the, the radius for dcunited.com. Uh, if you're further afield though, ESPN plus is your Avenue. You'll notice I didn't mention, NBC Sports Washington on that list because the game will not be on NBC Sports Washington because they have preseason NFL to show. The Washington football team and the Baltimore Ravens are playing in a game that doesn't count. And they're going to show it on both NBC Sports Washington and the Overflow Channel, NBC Sports Washington Plus. Um, no, but you need that stats blitz, Adam. You got to have that stats blitz cannot describe to you the <laughs> level of disrespect I have for the phrase stats blitz. It means nothing to me yeah. and I, I hate it. I can only uh, imagine that it's actually too many numbers to even keep track of the game. Like it's, it's a, literally a blitz. And so there's so many stats that you're like, I don't know what happened in the game. I just know like 0. 0.7, um, four, yeah. four. Apparently one of the stations may have the second half of the DC United game or one of yes. the, the channels uh, after nine will have, may have DC join, United. The, the, currently NBC sports Washington's website says the plus channel will join the game in progress. So at nine o'clock, which should be roughly the right as the second half begins. But obviously if you're trying to watch the entire game, that is not a solution for you. No, you're going to be streaming it or watching it in Spanish, which, which is not the know, worst option. Right. Don't, don't be great. don't be afraid to watch uh, our, our friends covering the game in Spanish. Um, Moises is back from the Olympics, which uh, looked like a lot of fun as well. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the the other shoe with the NBC Sports Washington and Comcast deals of the past is that when push comes to shove, they don't put DC United on the air. And so uh, ben in his um, article about how to watch the team, which we leave up near the top of the, the site's landing page. So if, you, if you're like, I don't know whether I can watch this game on the stream or not, there's a map in that article. So be sure if you're unsure, go check that out. The map is as accurate as we can get. That's the information we've gotten. We've been worked quite hard to get. Um, and that's probably the best information there is on the internet about whether you're going to be able to watch the game or get pushed over to ESPN Plus or not. Uh, as far as streaming goes. Um, but one line Ben put in there is that there, the line, the deal was announced within up to 33 games. And <laughs> that up to, as Ben said, is doing a lot of work um, because we all know if you're from the area and you've lived here long enough, you know, that unfortunately, at least in my opinion, unfortunately um, yeah. we are plagued by the, an NFL team that plays in Landover um, they are a pox upon our lives. They inflict us throughout the fall and the winter. Uh, you cannot escape them. You can try. I've tried muting everything I can on Twitter and it doesn't work. Um, stuff still gets through. Um, but unfortunately, one of the consequences of that team's popularity, despite their infinite attempts to chase away everybody that likes them, is that the TV stations around here will all focus on them to no end, including a preseason game. And to and, the exclusion of literally all else. Yeah. So it's not just world. Yeah. It's not just DC. Like I'm sure 
that there are Mystics fans who have this beef, and I'm sure there are Wizards fans that have this beef, yeah. um, and the Caps as well, uh, and the Nats even. Um, like you, if you're any sports team around here that isn't the football team, you get screwed by how much the media and and unfortunately how much the ratings tell them to pursue football team stuff. Um, and unfortunately, if NBC Sports Washington has the rights to show these preseason games. They're going to look at the ratings and say, we're pushing you out. Good, good luck. Um, and, you know, the good news is that the NFL preseason is short and they don't have the broadcast rights to any regular season games that I know of. Um, but the bad news is that it is kind of a throwback to the era where the deal would be like, here's like 75% of your games are on TV locally and the other 25%, uh, good luck. Go figure it out. I don't know. Um it's not a lot of fun. I will, I will say I give the team credit for making sure these streams have stayed free um, and easy to find. Uh, When you go to the website uh, during a game, like the front page of the website is taken up by like, watch the game, watch the game. Like they want you to, they want you to watch the game. They want to make it easy for you to find. Um, But, you know, I know in my case, it's a huge pain to get the game from TV, my computer screen to the TV. I have to go through steps to do that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't know that it it's there. Like I've yeah. even, I think they're more than a year into showing basically every game that's not on national TV on dcunited.com for free to everyone in the region. And there's people who don't know about it. And so that it, it if you don't know the game's there, you don't know to look for it. And right. most people aren't going out of their way to go to the team website, any team's or, website. Or our previews, which list all of this information every single week all the previews, they always say this stuff. So if you're ever like, where do I watch the game? Don't ask us on Twitter. Go to the site. It's already there. Blackandredunited.com has all the information. Yes. If you ask me on Twitter, I'm going to send you the link I'm already telling you to go to, and I'm not going to tell you the answer directly. You have to give us the click because I did the work. Um, <laughs> please reward the labor uh, to to the tiny, tiny extent. The But anyway, yeah. This sucks. Uh, I don't like it. It's massively frustrating. Um, But it also is kind of one of the reasons I'm so irritated by it is that it's the kind of thing where it's like, I saw it coming. Uh, As soon as NBC Sports Washington has a different sports game to put on both channels, they might do this. And this was the first opportunity that they had, and it happened. We could talk more about this. I want to, like, I want to mention, like, the same company runs NBC four as NBC sports Washington. And they have several dot two channels that this could be on, or even the main feed is WRC. There's no, like, I don't know what they're showing at eight o'clock on Saturday night, but I know they're not. And this is something you've been, you've been on that one for a while. Um, Yeah. The prospect of them using their alt, their alt channels to do over the air broadcasts, which they Um, they're doing with Telexitos. Telexitos is tell is a Telemundo, which is good. uh, Dot two, which is great. Like that means without cable, you can you can watch with an antenna. And arguably the best thing about the broadcast deal, them getting into getting seriously into Spanish language broadcasting throughout the region in the easiest way possible. Yes. but that doesn't mean that what happened with this game on the English language side is good and that you should be happy about it. Right. I will say I saw a little bit too much of this game won't be on television, uh, which yes. is false. It will be on television in Spanish. So don't say it's not on TV. 
Yeah. Uh, be frustrated, but be accurate with your frustrations, I guess, is my point. Don't erase Spanish language media. Yes. And don't uh, and don't yell at Dave and Devin. They are not the ones choosing this. Um, or or even complain to them because ultimately that's not they're not customer service, they're announcers. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the director complaints to NBC Sports Washington. I think that's where yes. the problem lies. A hundred percent. Um going to the soccer side of, of this game to, to those of us who can watch um, I'll, I'll be at the stadium back at the stadium for this one, but uh, DC United has a couple meetings with Philadelphia already in the books. Both of them, one goal losses uh, a one, nothing result on buzzard point earlier, uh, which is actually my first game back at the stadium this year and uh, a two to one loss up in Chester. And then this, would have been the rubber match had DC United won any of the either of those, but instead it's uh, a chance to just get three points in a without the thematic uh, overcompensation, I guess. What stood out to you about those first two meetings? Unfortunately, the Union have become really good at grinding games out where they're not necessarily dominating in the way that they did often last year. Um, and finding a way to hang on and sort of bleed the game out a little bit. And then when they do get their chance, they tend to pounce. Uh, and that's not just how DC's games both played out, which it is. Um, it's also just a recurring theme when you look at union results. This last game that they had uh, over the weekend against Montreal, they barely took any shots. Their only shot on goal ended up giving them a 1-1 draw. And it was a very, it was a very good goal from Quinn Sullivan, one of their homegrowns but it's also the only shot they had on goal against Montreal. Um, it's not like getting shut down by like the revs or, or some of the other top teams in the league. Um, but this is a recurring theme. Um, they only had, I want to say, I'm going to say NYCFC held them to like seven shots, but the union won that game one, nothing. Um, this is a recurring theme with them that just when you think you've got the union, they slip out. Um, they're, they're like a comic book villain in a way. Um, and they're yes. really, they, they, despite their reputation of being this great high pressing team this year, their press has only been okay. It's actually been their ability to sit deep, defend and play on the counter. That's where they've gotten a lot of their wins against in, in their tough games. And I think for DC, both times, they found it to yep. be a very tough game. Um, but they are to Jim Curtin's credit. They're that rare team that has not just been good at the one thing, but actually become this year, if anything, even better at plan B that sitting deep and, and playing on the break and, and making it work with oftentimes not even committing that many numbers forward. They also, it, it's not just sitting deep. They're also really good at the dark arts of the game. Oh yeah. They are, they are maybe the most CONCACAFI team in, in at least the Eastern conference. Right. The, their, their level of housery is, is off the charts. And we, we saw it. They knocked multiple players out of DC United's lineup yeah. with injuries. Only one of which got a yellow card, not even a red card uh, okay. just in their last meeting. The Canals incident didn't even get called as a foul. If I recall correctly. Yeah. And, and that cost him a month. Um, yeah. And it was like studs into the ankle. It wasn't like a, a collision that ended with an injury. It was like a foul was committed very yeah. obviously. It was just like, I don't know. Adrian Perez um, is still out and yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be back anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and they're a team that, that has no, no compunction about making yes. those hard types of challenges that are to put it kindly borderline dirty. 
right. they they they're fine with that and that's just that's their ethos is they are brawlers and they if that means they're going to tackle you and take the ball off you that's their plan a if if that doesn't work if they cannot keep up with you on that which they haven't been able to either yeah. time they played DC United this year then they will step back and they're okay being late into those challenges because yep. they know referees will not punish them. <laughs> Wait, you know, it's interesting that you, you're that we're talking about this because uh, Losada mentioned this in the last game post game. He said, you know, um, you know, when, when DC wants to press, if, if they press well, uh, but the other team plays out of it, sometimes you just have to take a foul. Um, and what he means by that isn't what Jim Curtin means, or, or at least what the internal mentality within the, I don't know if Curtin is saying, you know, put someone uh, on a stretcher, uh, but he's definitely saying like, yeah, foul the guy and, and, you know, don't hold anything back. Um, and I think there's a difference in mentality there where for Losada, it's like, yes, commit the foul, but like, you know, you can just sort of like light touch somebody, <laughs> um, or something like that. Um, the union, whether this is just the players they have or whether this is intentionally coached into them, I don't know. Um, maybe it's a mix. It's probably a mix, just like in most things in life. Um, but the union are trying to make sure you end up on the ground, um, uh, holding a limb of some kind. Um, and so United, as much as there's a there's an interesting th- thing going on where in, around the league, there's a, a perspective that when you play United, you're in for a fight because they lead the league in fouls or, or what have you. I don't know if they actually still do, but they did at some point. Um, but the fouls that United tends to give away are often, not always, it's not like DC's, you know, not had their share of tackles that deserve some punishment. Um, but a lot of times the fouls are small. They're designed to slow, you know, transition down their tactical. It's like, look, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just, I don't want you to advance with the ball anymore. So I'm pulling your jersey. Um, the Union are not doing that they are they are looking to do that but they're also looking to catch a piece of you um and so united needs to go into this game despite having the reputation of being maybe the more combative team the team that's more abrasive to play against it's actually the other way around in this game where united in the last game especially up in philly um maybe was a little thrown off by just how physical the union played the game and they need to be prepared for that aspect of how hard those tackles are um, and unfortunately we're stuck kind of, you know, we're kind of, kind of have to be hoping that PRO assigns a stricter referee, um, to this game. And then that referee actually like is consistent, which, you know, this is being MLS, that one's probably out of reach. <laughs> like not going to spend yeah. too much time hoping for that, but I, I, I genuinely do hope that the referee assignment this week is for a stricter referee, uh, because that means that, you know, instead of going in for 17 or 18 wild tackles, the union, you know, tone it down to eight or nine. Um, And maybe someone like, you know, Jose Martinez, who always seems to pick up a yellow card in every game he plays, maybe he gets his yellow card earlier. And now he doesn't, he doesn't have the option to do this anymore. Um, Because in the last game, it was like, go ahead, do whatever you want. It was, it was carte blanche for uh, murder tackles. And that's bad for DC. It turns out. Yeah, and th- it seems like every week also DC United suffers uh, a horror tackle, whether it's Kevin Paredes or, or Julian Gressel. What, somebody is getting a bad tackle with cleats up in the air to flip them over or or drive them into the ground, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't want to see that, but if it happens, I want to see it appropriately punished on the field mm-hmm. because those are the rules. And if you do that, you should face the consequences. Your team should face the consequences. 
Um, we've talked about Philly's penchant to get on transition. DC United also wants to get in transition, but they want to start those moments much higher up the field than Philly has been able to do a lot mm-hmm. this year. Um, and DC United has also given up a lot of those full field transitions or, or three quarter field transitions where, where the ball goes from the edge of the attacking third and comes back very quickly with numbers. And we know that's what Philly's going to try to do. It might just be two or three guys running like it was last time, but they're going to send Santos. They're going to send Shabilko. Right. Um, how do you stop those moments from happening? Well, I think, I think one thing DC has got to do a better job of is getting a body earlier on in these breaks. Um, and it's not just Sant- Santos especially, um, but also the fullbacks, um, whether it's Olivier Mbizo or Alvis Powell, um, which I think um, I, I think I saw a transfer rumor with Mbizo. So I know he didn't play in the last game, but that might have just been rotation because the union also had the stupid schedule DC just went through. I thought um, he just resigned. I thought he just signed a contract extension. Uh, I think there was something between that extension and this transfer rumor. Um, so the also, news has a similar schedule to these games. It just keeps right. coming. Uh, but yeah, the, um, you know, whether it, either in either case, you're talking about a fast player, Kai Wagner on the left, also very fast. Um, and that's often where these breaks from the union come from is either the fullbacks or they get a ball over the top and Santos gets in behind, uh, whether it's out wide or not, um, and then you're scrambling. And the Union are great. If if the other team's defense is scrambling, the Union is great at letting guys over overcommit to scrambling back and finding the pockets underneath, and they get those cutbacks. Um, and there's a reason, Adam, you love to talk about how crossing is not the best way to set up chances. Cutbacks are maybe not either, but they're much better than cutbacks are one of the best ways. Yes, uh, and the union are great at cutting or at, at creating those cutbacks. If you look through their goals this year, you're going to see a lot of guys get to the end line. The defense is all over the place, and someone coming in late, uh, regardless of whether it's Shabilko or Santos or Jamiro Montero, who the union didn't have in the last game, which makes them more difficult. He's arguably their best player. Um, all of the, him or Andre Blake anyway. Um, but all of those things, uh, combine to make the union really, really difficult to play against because they're very good at making sure you don't get that body on those guys in those breakout situations. So, um, United's tactical fouling to bring it back up is going to be important because if they can shut these counters down at midfield by just, you know, bumping into somebody and, and, or tripping somebody up and it's just like, you know, just a little minor thing they can get away with some of these counters because ultimately their willingness to commit to pressing means that these spaces are going to be there. Um, and, you know, to get into something Ben wrote about, about how when DC gets exposed uh, with their press, their defenders get exposed to one-on-one situations. I don't think we're about to have like Donovan Pines and Brendan Hines, like uh, back in the starting lineup this weekend. Um, we're also, you know, Maybe it's safe to assume Nahar starts, but we're still going to end up with the left side being probably Tony Alfaro, who has played about as well as you can ask, uh, but is not necessarily that great when he gets dragged out into these spaces that the union have kind of become really good at exposing uh, because for them, it's become much more of a quality, not quantity attacking thing. Um, They are not going to create a lot of shots. If DC walks off the field and the union have 
more than 10 shots, it'll be a mild surprise. They just don't create very many chances for themselves. But when they do, they're high oper- they're high quality opportunities and they tend to finish them. So um, the, the way that DC defends the first five seconds after a turnover is maybe the most important thing for either team in this game. Um, if DC's instant post-turnover transition defending is sloppy, they're going to lose. Uh, I, unless they get very lucky, they're probably going to lose the game. But if they can shut the union down and force them into longer buildups and dropping the ball back and the center backs having to pass it around, then they're in, they're in a good spot. That's how you can keep the union from really doing much because as much as they've been winning games and, and getting by that side of their game is not very good. They're not a team that can break you down. If you can get set, if you can slow them down and get into your shape before they start breaking forward, then they're kind of like, uh, I'm not really sure what to do about this. They kind of keep the ball for a while and eventually someone hoofs it long, um, which, you know, if you're hoofing it long to Shabilko is still a thing, um, but the United will be much more comfortable with that. You know, even if they can't win the initial header, winning the second ball, then they will be in these transition plays that the union have been able to score all of their goals against DC this year on. Yeah. I think there's going to be some risk management among DC United too. Um, we, we've seen a couple goals, including the game winner in the last game against Philly come from the center backs getting too committed to the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tony Alfaro is too far forward and the ball turned over and they attacked his space basically. And next thing you know, Casper Shabilko is putting the ball in the back of the net. As, um, as he seems to do against DC pretty much every time. Yeah. He does it against a he's lot of teams quite, though. <laughs> he's not quite CJ Sapong. Um, no. But you know, I wish he were less successful against DC. CJ Sapong, who's getting a lot of shouts from people who want to see him on Greg Berhalter's roster right now because the forward pool is not looking particularly in form at the moment. <laughs> but CJ Sapong scored a bunch of goals against DC United and then kept scoring against other teams too. So yeah, good good for him. Not I'm not sad. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. Just happy for him. Um, but DC United center backs are going to have to be disciplined in, in the attack. Um, I think, you know, Andy Nahar is going to have license to get forward at the right moments, but there's going to have to be rotation from Russell Knaus or Moses Nyman or junior Moreno to, to, or Felipe, if he's in the game to, to cover that area when a center back gets forward to make sure we're not left three on two at the back. If, if the ball turns over and the midfielders, Felipe don't turn the ball over again, like you did to Gustavo Bo. Um, Got to be quick and and keep the ball moving. Um, on the other side of the ball, how do you press the Philadelphia Union? It's it's always a little interesting to me when you see two press two teams whose plan A is to press uh, go against each other because one team e- either it's going to be pure chaos ball like United and San Jose was early in the year, or one of the teams is going to have to back out of it, or both teams. I I, I expect. By midway through the first half, both teams will be in a mid-block. But to start, this will probably be both teams trying to press each other into submission. Yeah, and I I think a major thing for DC is making sure, however they're pressing, you want to make sure that you're structured in a way that the Union don't have an easy way to pass into their central midfielders. Um, This midfield diamond that they, they don't always play it. Um, I want to say one of their recent games, they played out of a back three. Instead, they brought um, uh, Stuart Findlay in as one of their three center backs, and they tried 
a little bit of a different look. Um, but the main thing is, if you're not letting them pass out to Martinez, if you're not letting them find Alejandro Bedoya, um, then you're probably doing something right. Um, and, and United needs to be content that maybe their high press doesn't generate a bunch of turnovers. It just forces the union into some sloppy passing plays that end up with someone putting the ball out of bounds or another long ball to no one. That stuff is great. Um, those are valuable moments. We shouldn't undervalue them just because it didn't become a turnover that becomes a goal. Um, the most of the time, if your press is high structure or, or your high press is structured, well, that's the outcome is just the other team doesn't give you the ball until they get it out of danger and they're trying to pass around and something goes wrong much further up the field. Um, but United needs to make sure that th- this might be a game where we see maybe uh, more of a three, four, one, two, um, where your attacking midfielders job is in part to, you know, set up so that the center backs don't have a good angle to pass into the central midfield. Um, or it might be one where it's, you know, three, four, two, one, uh, so that between the two guys underneath Kamara, I assume it's gonna be Kamara. Yes. Um, you can screen, uh, by, you know, with, with intelligent movement and some help from the layer below, you can screen out those passing angles. And so when, uh, Jack Elliott and Jacob Glesnus get on the ball, they don't have the pass they want. Um, and so they have to look elsewhere, but it also down the field, um, United needs to make sure that that, you know, going direct doesn't catch them out. So just because the front three gets structured well to prevent those passes into the central midfield, um, that doesn't mean the union are out of options and DC have to be aware that they might, you know, release a fullback on the far side. They might try and drag play to one side and then look, look quickly across um, because Elliot and Glesnes can both play that ball. Um, it, it really is going to take a full field, getting the structure right every time. So we might not see the full sellout high press as often. Um, this might be a little cagier. The first time the union came to town, it was a little cagier. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't just that the union found a way to mitigate the press. It was also United noticing that the union are not as susceptible to being pressed because they have different ways to get out of it. They're not just like, oh, we have to go long. Or, oh, if if this one guy doesn't get on the ball in the buildup, we're screwed. Um, they are full of solutions. This is the, the real problem with playing against the union even when they don't play that well, they've got a bunch of ways to solve problems. And when you take things off the table, they're like, well, we still got this. We still got that. Um, they're very resourceful. And so United can't just be good at pressing from the front. It really does have to be a full 11 structured correctly for 90 minutes. Um, because as we talked about in the last game, DC has been mostly good lately, but they let themselves down three or four times and they end up conceding a bunch of goals and losing. Um, in those moments, like they're getting punished and a few teams in the league are as good at punishing your little, your little mistakes. And then the union, the union, if it weren't for little mistakes, the union would probably be outside the playoff picture right now. Um, they are, they are not actually playing very well on a regular basis, but they're doing just enough. They're, they're, they're frankly, they're a real pain in the ass. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really irritating to play against the union. This game is probably going to be irritating, even if it's a win. Cause that's how they, that's how they are this year. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's at the same time, it's kind of goals for DC United. You heard Hernan Losada after the season opening win 
say, you know, if when this team comes together, we're going to be effing annoying to play against. And mm-hmm. I think they are. I think that's where United is at this point. It's just a matter of taking the next step and seeing out the games and making sure you get the goal you need, uh, which teams like New England and Seattle and Philadelphia so often seem to do, even when they're not that good on the day. Like mm-hmm. Philly's well in the playoff spots after several weeks of not really playing that well, but getting the job done. And DC United has one of the best underlying metrics in the league, uh, looking at goals added and and expected goals for and against uh, using American soccer analysis data. Um, but they're they're just on the cusp. They're barely over the playoff. They're, they literally are the playoff line right now. Right. Uh, tied with like three or four other teams, it seems like. Um, and the difference is seeing the games out, making the the play turn into the result. And hopefully we, we see that this weekend against the Philadelphia Union. Um, normally I ask, how would you game plan? But we, we went pretty well into it on we, the other we've questions. Also just, we've seen the Union and the games have been very similar. And yeah. this one's going to ple- be very similar again. Don't expect this game to look a lot different from the other ones. Hopefully the result is better. Um, but the Union, a lot of Union games look like the ones DC has already played. It's not just Union versus DC. It's just if you watch Philly play, this is pretty much, you've seen it already. You, you've, it's a rerun. Yeah. If DC can get that early goal and, and you know, turn to that mid-block trap, um, maybe they, you know, United sure. gets a couple goal lead and the game sure. plays out. There'll be Very some, differently, but if if you get the lead on the union, there are going to be some spaces behind their fullbacks because they're going to commit them to go, um, especially Wagner on the left. They'll give him license to really go every, pretty much every time. Um, and so that's really um, if DC gets that lead, if they, they get a situation where they can manipulate Philly into overcommitting, that's probably where the opening is going to be. Um, so don't be surprised if you see, DC players maybe maybe making that their first look if we get into this mid block situation um just looking to the right whether that's Gressel whether that's uh Flores or whoever ends up playing right forward which kind of hard to say right now because they've been rotating so much and Ariola most likely won't be back we'll find more about that on most likely Thursday when the media call is but as of now I would say don't expect him um, but whoever that whoever that right-sided attacking player is, um, and and also obviously Gressel, the wingback, um, those guys need to have big games. Unfortunately for Gressel, oftentimes he's had a big game and and it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, um, which is there's only so much the guy can do. But uh, yeah, if DC can get that lead and can start to lure the Union in to a little overcommitment, um, that can be maybe the best way for it now the other side of that is that Wagner coming forward is really good. So right. someone we like don't want another new England situation. Right. And Gressel may also find himself doing a whole bunch of defensive work in that, in that situation. Um, but that means that that right sided forward, maybe this is a game where um, Jordi Reyna can, uh, can come through and show some more of the, the confidence he had after the goal last week uh, was pretty great. If they can get him on the right side, maybe, maybe you hold him back until, uh, as like a tactical risk and you risk being able to bring him in specifically for those moments. I don't know, but um, yeah, that's, that's where I would be looking. If DC does get that mid block uh, situation, they get that lead to work with. Um, that is where a lot of, a lot of danger can be created from the union because, you know, ultimately uh, they are not, 
they're willing to play for the draw, but they're not so willing that they're just not going to risk it. They're not the team that's going to wait to the 80th minute to start taking their risks. They're going to go for it earlier. They're not, uh, there's a, there's a modernness to the union that old school MLS teams would be like, we're losing one, nothing away. And then it gets to be like the 79th minute. And it's like, I guess now we can consider trying to come back in this game. Yeah. Um, the union before don't do that, that, it's, we don't want to lose by more than one. Yeah. Let's keep yeah. it at one. And then we'll wait to the very end. And hopefully we get one little chance at the end. Um, the union don't do that. If they're down, they'll change things. They, they've experimented with formations. Um, that, that back three recently, I mentioned, um, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll swap things out for sure. I'm not sure if Il Senio is healthy, which is another, um, thing to worry about always if, if they can get 10 minutes out, out of El Senior, El Senior, you have to worry because if anyone on the union has had great success against United it's not even Shabilko first it's El Senior first he get he's fun to watch when he's not playing your team sure but this weekend he's playing our team so we'll see if if DC United can make the game plan work this Saturday uh watch it if you can get to the stadium on buzzard point otherwise um don't try looking on NBC Sports Washington for the first half, at least. Um, go to Tell Exitos or, or one of the streaming solutions. Uh, shout out to our patrons. Thank you all for, for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you all got early access to this episode. If you would like more preview episodes like this earlier in the week and, and uh, less right before the game, then patreon.com slash filibuster is the place where you can learn more about doing that. If you want to read what we write about soccer, uh, not just spoken word, but but prose as well, uh, written prose, you can do that at blackandredunited.com. If you want short form writing, often nonsensical, uh, Twitter, at blackandredu, at filibusterdcu. If you want to write your own long form screeds, send them to us at, black and, or at uh, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for, for listening. Make sure you give us ratings and reviews uh, and tell a friend about the show. For Jason and the absent Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Go on YouTube and search Beavis and Butthead videos only, five hours, 11 minutes. Uh, do yourself a favor. How much Motley Crue is in that time? Well, I don't know. I haven't watched the whole thing yet.